Good morning. Before you get too comfortable, I hope you brought your running shoes, maybe a change of clothes, having an object. Listen, we're all going out for a run. Nobody's with me, I see. Some of you are thinking, this series we're in is called I Could Do That. I could never do that. I could never go for a run. How many of you are thinking, like, I just want to run out of this room right now if we're going to go for a run, this object lesson? For the last several years, uh, probably the single best way that I've connected with God, that I've sought Him and I've experienced His presence is by going out, strapping on my shoes, and just heading out on a trail or heading out into the woods. No earbuds, just the quietness and the trail, and just kind of an open heart and an open mind. I run out there, I go 30, 45 minutes, and it's amazing. I come back, and I just felt, would feel refreshed restored and like maybe I'd gotten some new perspective on something where I needed a little bit more clarity in my life. And right now some of you, again, the series we're, we're in is called I Could Do That and some of you are thinking I could never do that. I could never go for a run in the woods or run for 30 or 45 minutes and I just want to say I get it. Uh, I get it more than you know because the beginning of this summer I hit a wall. And I've just really struggled like to get out and run and feel good when I'm running. And um, I've struggled to think that I could keep doing that as a way to connect with God. In fact, the teaching team had just made these assignments for this uh, series. And somebody had said, hey, Jeff, you should talk about when you go out and run and what happens and what you, how you experience God. And I thought, yeah, I could do that. And somebody said, you could call it run for your life. That'd be really catchy. And I thought, yeah, that would that'd be really good. And then... Uh, I'm out there one day, and I'm, and I'm running, and I'm realizing, like, it's been like two or three weeks since I've actually connected with God when I've been out for a run. I just all of a sudden, I was running, and just, it was sucking the air out of me to run, and running was just plain sucking. <laughs> And uh, I was actually on a sidewalk, and I uh, know when I realized that I just hadn't, hadn't asked God at all to, to, to be with me on a run. In fact, um, I hadn't whispered a word to him. I was running down the street one evening down on Main Street on the sidewalk, and I was just thinking, you know, I, I'd gotten a few blocks in, I just wanted to turn around, but I'd made it like three miles, and I'm on my way home, and I'm just thinking, I just got to get home. This just stinks. And it just occurred to me, it's like, I, I haven't even talked to God about this at all. Because uh, I couldn't catch my breath at all. And I'm like, God, I'm sorry I've been neglecting you. I'm sorry I've been a really bad running partner the last few weeks. It's like, all I can think of is just surviving. It's like, I can't think about you. I just don't even have the energy. I'm just concentrating on making it home. I got a tattoo when I turned 50. And it's a running shoe that's on my calf. And you read it one way, it says seeking God. You read it the other way, it says perseverance. My daughter designed it. I thought it was really cool. And I'm on that sidewalk. I'm thinking, great. <laughs> I'm stuck with that tattoo the rest of my life. <laughs> no regrets, right? <laughs> I think sometimes we tend to think of these things that we could do that we're talking about in the series, spiritual practices, things that can connect us with God as things that we have to do or things that we have to keep doing forever, right? And they sound like 
maybe they're intriguing at first, or they sound like, oh, I'd love to at least experience the benefits of what this person's talking about. I'd love to have that runner's high, or I'd love to experience the benefits that they claim to offer. But then we stop and think about it, we think, that's a whole lot of work. And it seems like maybe it takes a little bit of expertise to be able to do some of these things, or to make them work. And then there's no guarantee, even if, if we do them, that we're going to experience those same benefits. And we start to kind of dread these spiritual things, these practices. And maybe we get bored, or maybe we even start to hate them. It's like, really, Alice, do I have to, you know, just throw my phone away? Do I have to break up with my phone, really? <laughs> Jeff, do we have to go for a run? I mean, read the Bible, journal, meditate. These all seem like things that other people do. People maybe who are more spiritual or more religious than me, people who uh, have more time on their hands than I do. I could never do that stuff. Right? I'm just not spiritual enough. Maybe we even try something for a while and it, and it seems to work, but it never lasts. And so we end up running for our life away from these things. And I just want to say to you this morning, if that's you, or it's sometimes you, or you feel this way, I want to encourage you that God actually invites you to run for your life, not away from something hard, but to something really, really good, namely to him. And he has wired you to run to him for your life in ways that can be really, really enjoyable for you. I want you to think about this. Right, Jesus promises us life to the full. That's a gift that he wants to give to us. It's not something that we can earn. Katie was just praying, we can't earn his presence. We can't earn his grace. And Paul taught this over and over in the letters that he wrote. He said, this is not something that you can get through effort. In fact, the author of the message interprets one of Paul's passages to the Romans this way. Listen to this. He says, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes, sovereign life, in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that one man, Jesus Christ, provides? Paul says, look, Jesus is offering us a wildly extravagant gift of life. It brings breathtaking recovery and results. And we'd be foolish not to grasp, not to grab hold of it with both of our hands. And it's both a gift that we receive and it's something that we grab hold of, hold tightly with both hands. Gifts can't be earned, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing for us to do. It doesn't mean we just sit around and, you know, maybe one day Jesus is going to come along and he's going to pour this grace on me, he's going to transform me. You know, I'll just wait my turn. No, there are things that we can actually do to grab hold of this life, this life gift that Jesus promises to us. Richard Foster wrote a great book. It's called Celebration of Discipline. And he talks about it this way. He says, picture this ridge, and it's got steep drop-offs on both sides. And on the one side is this steep drop-off where, where everything depends on your effort. It's all up to you. Faith is all about what you put into it. And getting God's grace is all about you earning it. And if you get too close to that edge, you're going to fall off and die because it's a sharp drop-off. On the other side right, is this drop-off where there's no effort. I don't have to do anything. God just does it all. And if I just don't do anything, God's just going to take care. And if I get too close to that side, it's steep. I fall off and I die. 
These deadly claims are, or these deadly chasms are actually called the heresy of moralism and the heresy of antinomianism. If you love those words, you might love this book. Those words are a bit big for me, uh, but I think I get what he's saying. He's, he's just saying that Jesus has this, this path of life that's up on this ridge, and it's a narrow path. He doesn't want us to veer too far one way or the other. He wants to keep us on the path so we can keep running with him to God to receive this promise of life that God has for us and we can grab hold of it and we can stay in the flow of God's love for us and he can love others through us. That's that you and I could do, that we could do those that's that we could do are not requirements for us to loathe not things for us to dread. They're not reserved for people who are more spiritual than we are or deeper than we are. They are gifts for us, intended to help us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, what Peter says. The only requirement is this desire to know God, to have fellowship with God, to experience his presence more in our lives. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. And throughout the Bible, we hear this theme that God just is saying, if you seek me, I will be found by you. If you'll open the door, God is already there. Some of us just need to be reminded this morning. We need to hear again. We need to remove this hurdle that we can't actually access God. God is saying to us over and over again, I want to come in. I want to be accessed. I want to spend time with you. Some of us just need some practical instruction on how to do that. How do we open this door so that we can spend time with Jesus? And that's really what we're doing in this series. I could do that. I'm talking about some ways that we can open this door to God's presence. And I want to say that the how is important and it can be really helpful. How we do this is really important. But the why is so much more important. And it's important for us to have an attitude, a positive attitude that, that I can do that. Way more important than worrying about the details of how I do that. Tyler Ruane taught about how important it is to have our why. He did such a brilliant job teaching. What a great teaching that was. And here's the why that we can do that, that we will do that. We'll have this attitude about this. It's because it's all about relationship with God. When we do those that's, it's all about receiving from God his love and his life so we can go out and love others. It's worth it. It's so worth it. It's the primary purpose of our life. That's the point. It's not perfection over some spiritual practice. And here's the other thing. The minute that these things, those that's that we could do become law, it just sucks the life right out of them. The minute they become something that I must do, it's like there's no more life in it. There I was on that sidewalk that day thinking I must continue and this run is just sucking the life right out of me. And I'm apologizing to God uh, because of not being able to talk to him. And all of a sudden, it's like that just opened the door. Just this one word, just God, I, I, I'm sorry. And all of a sudden, I heard it. I don't know if it was just a thought or if God actually whispered to me. He said, why are you running so fast? How about we slow down a little bit? I thought I couldn't go a lot slower, actually, but I think he was talking about more than just the run. How about we slow down a little bit? So for the last few weeks, I've been trying to slow down a little bit, and God's been reminding me that running for my life 
is about a lot more than just running. Right? It's about uh, taking some time for some silence, some solitude to clear some space where he can speak, taking some time for some meditation. And he's been reminding me about some things that might be helpful to share with you so that you could do that too. Spend some time in solitude with God and maybe some quiet reflection. Our world is so noisy. You notice that? We drive, even when, even when we're alone, it's noisy. I mean, we drive and, and we always have the radio on. We go to work or we walk across campus or whatever we do, we've got our earbuds in. We rarely turn off the music or the talk or the news. We fall asleep with Netflix on. And even if there's not noise, it's like when, when there's silence, it's like we, we're tempted to fill the silence with our words. It's like if we don't keep talking, who's going to, like, talk? What are we gonna, what's going to happen? It's like if I don't keep sharing my knowledge and my opinions or my thoughts, it's like the world just might stop spinning. How are people going to live if we don't keep talking? And whose perspective is going to win out if I don't share mine? And who's going to take control if I give them the silence? Hmm. Maybe God? What if all God needed was a little silence to speak profoundly into your life, words of life into your world? What if we just set aside a little time to get alone with God and be quiet and allowed him to share his perspective with us, allowed him to lead us? Silence and solitude is a matter of surrender and trust, and it allows God to speak his life and his truth into us and to care for us. More than that, though, solitude is God's invitation to help us deal with loneliness, the plague of our day. The world's way to deal with loneliness is simply more noise, more activity, more action. Jesus' way is to invite us to spend time alone with him. Teresa of Avila once said, uh, settle yourself in solitude and you will come upon him in yourself. In other words, be still. Listen. God is with you. You just might encounter Jesus in the silence. Sounds strange. Doesn't seem to make sense. But loneliness is, is inner emptiness. Solitude cultivates inner fulfillment. And we'll give Jesus that time. He'll fill us with his love and his life. And we have to have this solitude if we're going to be with others in any kind of meaningful way. When Alice taught about breaking up with her phone, she talked about removing distractions so she could hear the whisper of God. Oh, she's talking about making some room for some quiet and silence so we can hear God. Without silence, we will have trouble getting alone with God. Silence itself can transform us when we make space for God. One of the things that solitude does is it paves the way for, for meditation. Some of that, that word is like, oh, don't, don't do that. Don't say that word. I, don't, I could never do that, or I don't know we're supposed to do that. I want to tell you the Bible is full of people who meditated. Uh, people like uh, Isaac and David and the prophets, Eli and Jeremiah and Isaiah, they practiced meditation regularly. 
For them, that was simply a way to, to listen to God and reflect on what he was saying and to rehearse God's word. They took time to listen and think about what he told them and how they could better live this out in their lives. It kept them close to God. God didn't share things with them because they had special powers and abilities. He shared things simply because they made time to listen to his word. The more they listened and practiced, the greater their capacity for God grew. That was the whole purpose of their meditation, was to grow closer to God, to have a deeper connection, deeper friendship with God. Uh, one form of meditation Doug actually talked about earlier in this, in this series. It's just simply going out and reflecting on God's beauty and wonder, spending time with him alone in nature. And if we will go out and just quiet ourselves and pay attention, nothing deep here, nothing fancy or super spiritual, just go out, be quiet, pay attention to God's creation. God will speak profoundly to us. And shortly after that run where I was dying on the sidewalk, I got into the woods for my first run in the woods for the summer. The spring was horrible with all the flooding and everything, so I'm finally out in the woods. And I just hit the trail when I catch something out of the corner of my eye, just this big shadow just flying by me. And I look over and I see in the trees this huge bird the size of a crow with this bright red head. It's the first time I've ever seen a pileated woodpecker out in the woods out in Greenbelt. And then I just stopped and I, and I listened to the birds. so much peace in the woods just to sit and be refreshed and renewed by the sound of those birds just singing joyfully a little further down the trail I see a, a, a coyote actually jumped out in front of me on the trail just a small one baby one nothing big and he's he didn't even notice me and he's run ahead of me on the trail for about 20 seconds or so, and then he dives back into the woods. I've run into beavers and mink and fox and owls and eagles, swans, all kinds of stuff out in the woods. Any outdoorsmen or out, outdoors women here? Ever like just been blown away about how big God is when you're out in the woods or feel really small in God's presence out there? I was running out in the woods one fall. It was uh, right after daylight saving, so it was getting darker earlier, so I was kind of running up against that. And and it was kind of gray skies, starting to sprinkle anyways. A perfect night for around like 50, no wind. It was awesome. The leaves were off the trees. They're just crunching under my feet. And all of a sudden, I hear this loud crash through the woods. And I'm like, what's that? And I turn, and right in front of me is this ginormous buck. And I thought, he could tear me in half right now if he wanted to. But we kind of regarded one another. And I don't know if it was him asking me or me asking him, but we decided to run together a little bit down the trail. He was a little bit faster than me. I was close enough to see like the muscles like twitching in his legs, right? He could see the twitching in my lip, the quivering <laughs> in fear. This was like just the power and the grace and like the, the majesty of that moment was just like, it was overwhelming to me. And I just thought the power and the majesty and this grace and this beauty of God. It's like, what was it like to run with Jesus in his day? This is probably a little bit what it's like, a little bit terrifying, exciting, beautiful, wonderful, amazing. And I just had this moment of worship there in the woods. 
And all these experiences remind me that, that when you run for your life with Jesus, God can't wait to show you new and beautiful things. He can't wait to show you new and beautiful things about himself. Sometimes when I go for a run, I'm meditating on something I've read, some, some Bible passage I've read, or something I've read in a devotion, or maybe it's something I'm studying. And, you know, you get out in the woods, and it's like there's no more studying and analyzing. It's just kind of opening up to what God wants to say to you about what it is that you've been reading. It's amazing how profoundly he'll speak to you in those moments when you give him that time. Sometimes I come back, and I'm sweating all over my keyboard or all over my journal, and I just can't write or type fast enough the things and the thoughts that I want to hold on to that God shared with me in the woods. It's amazing. Sometimes I go out for a run and there's another type of meditation that happens. God just kind of, it's called, it's called recollecting or, or centering down. And, and you just, you kind of give God what's weighing you down and you release your anger or your fear, or whatever that's, that's bothering you, that's weighing you down. And then you ask him to, to kind of help you and you give you what you need and to minister to you. And uh, he just serves you. Sometimes I'm out there, I don't even realize what's weighing me down. I have no idea that there's something weighing me down, and I'm running for the woods. This just happened a couple, a couple weeks ago. I was running, and I, and I noticed that there was just like this negativity that was just in my head, and I was playing this specific conflict back in my mind that I'd had with somebody. And, and they had misinterpreted something I had done, and then in their anger, they kind of lashed out at me, and I, I thought they were way out of line. And so I'm just going over and over in my mind ways I could confront this person Set them straight, and, it, and it's quiet out there, but it, there was no silence, right? There's all these words just going around in my mind, and they weren't all good words. And it went on for a while, and all of a sudden, it, I felt like God just broke into that all of a sudden and just said, what in the world are you doing? Why are you wasting all your time and energy on this? I could actually help you if, if you want, but you're going to have to let go of this. And right there, he just asked me to just give it to him. And I was able to forgive the person and just let go of it. And I was able to actually be praying for this person, for blessings for this person. Just this sense of release. And I was no longer concerned anymore with proving myself or defending my position to this person. I just was asking God, maybe just teach me what I need to learn from this situation and help me to let the rest go. This huge weight was just lifted off of my shoulders because... I'd made time for some silence and solitude to let God speak. A couple of cautions about solitude and meditation I just want to share with you. Uh, when I started on that run that day, I really had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and uh, I stopped, and I was immediately attacked by, like, a swarm of mosquitoes, like a plague-style swarm of mosquitoes. And I realized there's not going to be any stopping. All right? There's no relieving myself, and so I just had to keep running. And, and that's another reason some of you are saying I could never do that, right? I could never go for a run in the woods. I'd be literally running for my life. Uh, but this is what God said to me. He said, yeah, he goes, it's like that. There will always be obstacles to overcome when it comes to spending time, choosing to spend time alone with God in silence or meditation. It doesn't matter if, if you're wanting to get alone with God in the woods or if you want to get alone with God in the comfort of your own home in a chair or in a nice, cool, comfortable place, there will always be things that will get in the way between you and God spending time alone. You may be thinking, I just don't have time for 30 minutes. How, how in the world could I find 30 minutes in my day? I can't even sit and drink a cup of coffee for five minutes without the kids interrupting me. 
in the morning or my, or my husband or my wife or somebody. Maybe you're thinking the only time I ever experience any kind of silence or solitude is when I'm alone in the bathroom. And even that's no guarantee, right? Uh, place is important. For me, the woods works. And for me, it's like a movement is important. If I sit still and try this, I'll fall asleep. I will every time. Maybe, I, maybe we just need a nap. Maybe that's it. I think if we would just open ourselves up to a little bit of time, though, even the time that we have alone in spots throughout our day, God will speak profoundly to us. Maybe it's right after you wake up and nobody knows you're awake yet. Or maybe you're the first one awake. Or maybe it's right after you drop off the kids and you've got a little bit of time before you get home or get to work. Maybe you simply are driving and you see a beautiful sunset or a landscape. Just a moment. God can use these times in powerful ways. Perseverance, I believe, is our friend. The author of Hebrews says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us find that path on that ridge and run with Jesus for our lives. Run to Jesus for the joy set before him. Jesus endured the cross. He persevered and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We too can sit in God's presence. This isn't about uh, a transaction. You know, sometimes, like, it doesn't work. You know, we don't hear anything from God when we're in solitude. This isn't about a transaction. This is about interacting with God. That's the last thing I want to remind you about. This is about an interaction. Brennan Manning, one of my favorite authors, he was uh, famous for taking weeks-long retreats throughout the year to just have solitude with God. And one time, a, a guy asked him, he said, well, aren't you afraid? on these retreats that God's not going to show up sometime? And he kind of laughed. He said, I never really thought about it that way. He said, I just figured God likes it when I show up. God likes it when we show up. He's standing at the door knocking. He's wanting us to open the doors so he can come in, so we can spend some time with him, and he can speak words of grace and words of life over our lives. Doug talked about the funeral we had in here yesterday. Uh, my friend who lost her husband to brain cancer a week ago wrote on her Caring Bridge page about finally getting a few moments of silence a few days after his death. And she took her dog out for a walk. And she's walking, and the dog stops, and she stopped, they stop in front of this huge willow tree. She's just looking up at this willow tree, and she just felt this presence of God. And she heard him whisper to her, be strong and weep. Be strong and weep. And in that moment, it was just the assurance of God's presence with her. She could both be strong and weep because he is with her. All that in just a moment of captured solitude and silence. Solitude with God, running for your life, you could do that, too. Will you pray with me? Father, we long to experience you. We long for your presence. We need your presence with us. God, you promise your presence as a gift, and so we're stuck on this ridge sometimes, feeling like we might fall off because we're working too hard and making it all about us and our effort, or we might fall off because we're not doing enough. Will you 
Will you reveal to us, whether it's through solitude and meditation or whether it's you know, through being out in nature or knowing our why or whatever, any, whatever other people are teaching in this series, will you help us to see how you've wired us so that we can enjoy you, we can enjoy these practices, we can have the life and the love that you want for us to have, that we could stay in the flow of that life and love, that it would fill us and overflow onto others around us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.